The British, the British dream. Below our expectations. We're about to be an all country. We're about to be a country. Wonderful to be here. The British dream podcast. Join us. Powerful people as we launch up despicable acts like these and a sickening and barbaric politics. What I hate about this Shut up is that it's so violent. When the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you. Hello and welcome to the British Dream, Vice's politics podcast. My name is Simon Childs, Home Affairs Editor at Vice UK. The deployment of the cameras is to test the tech. Try to calm down. Once the trial is complete, we will be analysing the results and holding a public... Call. And behave like an adult. This week we're talking about the police's use of facial recognition. Silky Carlo is my guest. She works at Big Brother Watch, an independent non-profit organisation leading the protection of privacy and civil liberties in the UK. If you went to Notting Hill Carnival last August, the Champions League final this time last year, or Download Festival in 2015, congratulations, you may have been an unwitting guinea pig in the police's biodata experiment. The South Wales Police has been given £2.6 million by the Home Office to take a lead in deploying facial recognition software, that is, CCTV cameras that can recognise your face and cross-reference it with a police database of photos. Except they can't recognise it. Shockingly, Big Brother Watch has revealed that the technology wrongly identifies up to 98% of the time. In other words, 2% of the time, it works every time. Today, there are two police forces that are proactively using automated facial recognition, mainly at concerts, football matches, rugby matches, sometimes in city centres at large public events, mainly. This started in 2015, when Leicestershire Police used automated facial recognition at Download Festival, and they used domestic databases, police databases, and also European ones. We never have seen the results of that. Um, Looking at the results we have today, it was probably an enormous failure, but it was disturbing for us to see young people targeted unsuspectingly in that kind of a way Mm -hmm. so these are people just going to watch like Slipknot and then suddenly they're part of some yeah police experiment without any kind of consent or were they informed or like no automated facial recognition is software that easily plugs into CCTV cameras right sometimes the police will have a barely visible sign somewhere saying facial recognition in use but often and and my observation when I saw it in use it was basically covert actually so Mm -hmm. you wouldn't even necessarily know that it was going on we don't know exactly how it worked at download but that was that seemed to be a one-off and it was disturbing then there was a recurrence in 2016 when the Metropolitan Police used it at Notting Hill Carnival Mm -hmm. again that feels somewhat targeted Uh, given the general over-policing around Notting Hill Carnival. And now you have the Notting Hill Carnival crowd being treated as guinea pigs for a new, extremely authoritarian type of surveillance tool that has only ever really been seen before, either in Western dystopian fiction or China. You mentioned, like, dystopian fiction. What, What we're talking about, if it was working correctly... What we are talking about is the kind of minority report style, you're on a camera and it kind of focuses on your face and then matches you to some kind of police database, right? Mm -hmm. It's that kind of 
is literally what is in those films. Like. <laughs> yeah, uh, except in the films it works. Yeah. And in real life it doesn't work very well yet. Um, mm. Yeah, exactly. Should we be sort of reassured by that 98% figure? 98% of the time not working. That just means it don't, like doesn't work, you know? We can be reassured if this means that the police decide to adopt a common sense approach and realise, OK, we played around, we upset some people, it didn't work, let's just put it away and hope that everyone forgets about this terrible disaster. Mm -hmm. But what we're actually seeing is the Metropolitan Police saying, we want to use it basically every month for the rest of 2018. So mm -hmm. they actually want to dramatically increase the use of the technology, which is really disturbing. And what the, what that 98% figure means is that Innocent people are at very high risk of being stopped by the police, asked who they are, what they're doing and where they're going and why. People have been used to, for a long time, being stopped in that way by the police on the basis of, you match a description of someone we've had a report about in the area or um, you know some other kind of trumped-up uh, excuse sometimes, to be frank, uh, particularly with over-policing of BME communities. Now the excuse or, or the reason is you've been identified by the system. And that is very much a kind of uh, minority report way of policing, I think. So the, the, mm. the, the terrible inaccuracy should mean that it's shelved. But I think unless we're successful in our campaign will mean that the police are just policing ever more recklessly. And you mentioned like, you know, people could get hassled on the back of this stuff. I know that um, Big Brother Watch, you observed it a bit at the Notting Hill Carnival, right? Yeah. And so what did that kind of look like? And were people sort of being approached by the police, kind of tapped on the shoulder off the back of this very dodgy technology? Or what, what sort of went on? The second year in a row, the, and, the, and, the, and the Metropolitan Police's second ever use of automated facial recognition was at last year's Notting Hill Carnival. So they they waited a whole year and then rolled it out again at Notting Hill Carnival 2017. So they did Carnival and then Carnival. Exactly. Right. At this point, we were really angry and uh, made a big noise about it. And we did manage uh, to, to, to allow the Met to let us observe the technology in use only for about 10 minutes. What I saw was two ordinary women going into the festival to have a good time who were matched on the system against actually uh, white, bald men uh, who were clearly on, on some kind of police watch list. Mm. Uh, the, uh, that was in a very quick succession. You know, this is in five, ten minutes of, of observation. Police were quite embarrassed about it. So what happens, much like minority report is you have the face identified on the screen picked out the cctv feed zoomed in red box around the face and that sits next to the image from the database and then it and then is like a person looking at those two images and being like oh yeah they're, they're the same yeah so then you you have the police officer looks at it and decides what to do in those instances obviously it's really embarrassing for the police you know they've got three human rights campaigners in their <laughs> van looking at this terrible, terrible mistake that's been made. Um, so they they can just choose to, to ignore the alert. But that woman's photo goes onto a police database. We asked how long that would be on the database for. The police said probably around three months, which says 
I have no idea and we haven't really thought about it. So the, kind of the response. woman who got matched to some like bald guy mm. who was presumably completely innocent of anything yeah. was then on a database yes. because she had been inaccurately matched. Yes, Damn. exactly. And they said it would be for around three months. They're now saying, and I, I hope that they stick to this, that it will be for one month. But even so, what, why is it being kept at all? Mm. Um, and... That person, if you or I are matched by an automated facial recognition system, we won't know about it. Yeah. You would have no idea and you would have no idea that your face is then swimming around on a police database. Because, yeah, she's like in a crowd and has then wandered off to like yep. get some beer or whatever, like whatever yeah. she's doing. And the police have no With interest no in telling people that they've been that they've been matched mm. unless they go and speak to them. And that happened a number of times at Notting Hill Carnival last year. So the police looked at the alerts and thought, oh, maybe that's the person and went up to them and, and asked them to, they typically ask them to produce their ID. Mm -hmm. So then you flip innocent until guilty on its head because now a system thinks that you might be someone that you're not and you're expected to produce an ID to prove uh, that you are the person that you that you say you are. It's a totally, totally unprecedented situation in policing. Why do you think the police wants to do this experiment? I think we are at an extraordinary time. Living, we're living through an enormous technological revolution, and there are lots more authoritarian, technologically advanced tech uh, uh, tools particularly surveillance tools that are becoming available to the police. And there is a temptation to say, well, if it has some utility, if it has some use for security and policing, then surely it's a good thing that we use it, which is a really, really flawed logic. But given all the technological advancements, it seems to be a very tempting one. So I think the idea is, and it's true that one day facial recognition will get an awful lot better. Mm. But it kind of misses the vital question, which is what kind of society do we want to live in? What kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of modern country do we want to build with these new technologies? I, for one, do not want to live in a country where everywhere I go, I can be recorded, monitored, uh, biometrically identified, uh, and, you know, build up a kind of retrospective CCTV record of my movements, you know, just just with the provision of one photo. Mm. And that's what in extremis this system does does provide for. So this is just one of, of many different technologies that does provide for the construction of an ever more dystopian surveillance state. Um, we've had these debates before in the UK you know, the the debate around the DNA database mm -hmm. was a kind of early pre, you know, this stage of the technological revolution, because there again, police said, well, if we just if we have everyone's DNA, that will be useful for policing, you know, and you can and you can see, yeah, I guess it would, wouldn't it? But it would also mean that the state holds the very essence of every human being in the country. Um and that that clearly wouldn't be a good thing and, and is prone, de terribly prone to misuse. With the example of like the woman at Carnival, to sort of flip it on its head, she wasn't hassled, didn't know about it, got to like go off and enjoy her day. There was a policeman behind the camera 
you know, recognizing that it clearly isn't like a bald white guy. Mm. That's not such a big deal, really. And like, if it could hypothetically be used to like catch a criminal, then surely that's a good thing. Well, at the moment, it can't catch criminals. That that much is clear. Um, but there are some really terrible repercussions from those kinds of seemingly harmless misidentifications that are going on. So there are lots of people who are being stopped by the police and asked uh, to produce their ID, mm-hmm. i.e. Uh, you, you're potentially guilty until we prove that you're innocent. And that's a really horrible experience, you know, walking down the street and then suddenly being accosted by a police officer who wants to know who you are and where you're going. Um, now, some people will be very compliant with that, I'm sure, but some people, quite understandably, especially if they've had a few, you know, if you're at Carnival will tell a police officer where to go. And then suddenly you're embroiled in an altercation with the police mm. uh, for absolutely no reason that that could end really badly. It, it really it really is important to consider a, a bigger picture. This is a feature of an insecurity society where we are beginning to suspect free citizens all the time. Mm. And and we're putting technologies in place to just check that people aren't criminals or terrorists, which is a really, really dangerous road to go down and will, without doubt, unless we change that underlying philosophy, end us in a very authoritarian situation. this technology does you know improve which presumably it will and start to work could could there not be a lot of like better policing from even like a civil liberties point of view because of you know positive outcomes from this stuff it's a really interesting question and that view has been put forward by a lot of people but i think the evidence speaks to a different reality Mm -hmm. uh, which we're going to have to get to grips with as new technologies are put on on the front line technologies are built by humans And we can't absolve responsibility for our own biases, uh, human discrimination, and expect that another product of human creation, AI, robots, algorithms, aren't going to carry those same biases. And actually what we see with facial recognition at the moment, almost all of the Uh, commercial facial recognition technologies and those used in law enforcement that have been tested for accuracy biases have found that the technology is more likely, drastically more likely, to misidentify people of colour and women. Uh, (laughs) Racist and sexist technology. Um, Which obviously uh, could have enormous implications in in, uh, the UK as well. The police, the the technology that the police are using here in the UK is made by NEC, a Japanese company. It has not been tested for accuracy biases. Mm -hmm. So there is, and the police won't release any statistics to us about uh, the demographics of their misidentifications. So there is a real risk that actually we, we have a technology that is disproportionately affecting and causing essentially stop and and search you know stop and ids uh with bme people your report came out in what was it a week after or the same week as the amnesty report into the gangs matrix Mm. and i wonder if you think the police's use of facial recognition technology and um the kind of obvious racism we see in the gangs matrix 
Is there kind of any correlation there? We've asked the Metropolitan Police if they've used the gang's matrix to construct their watch lists for automated facial recognition, mm-hmm. which uh, I have to say they, they have denied. What we hear from the groups most affected by the gang's matrix is a high degree of scepticism about how policing tools will be used against them that I totally understand, given that out of the three times that the Met has used facial recognition so far, two have been at Notting Hill Carnival two years in a row. Mm. Um, What was the other time? It was Remembrance Sunday. Oh, yeah. Do you know what they were looking for um... yeah it's it's extremely disturbing they had a watch list essentially of people with mental health problems um there is a there is a category of of uh people that the police keep tabs on that they call fixated Mm -hmm. uh they are the kind of people who are uh, uh, currently camped around windsor castle that you know love the royal family you know uh people who who uh are fixated or obsessive or frequently contact public figures like members of the royal family without meeting a criminal threshold of of harassing or stalking Mm -hmm. Uh, so they're not criminals they're typically people who have fallen through the care net Mm -hmm. and don't have any any uh, professional you know support and services that was really, really disturbing for us. Imagine a situation where these people with mental health problems are on a covert police watch list that they know nothing about. They go to Remembrance Sunday to pay their respects. Then suddenly they're pulled aside by a police officer. And bear in mind, these are people who typically have paranoid delusions as well. Pulled aside by a police officer and told, you're on a watch list. We've just identified you using an automated facial recognition camera and we would like you to leave the event. That could be enough to to tip someone vulnerable over the edge. I mean, that could have an enormously detrimental effect on someone's uh, mental health, physical health, well-being. I was so stunned to find out that that was happening and asked the police, have you consulted mental health professionals on this? No, they they hadn't. So this is the situation, where, you know, where the, the the police are are straining at the leash to use these new Orwellian technologies with very little guidance and very little to hold them back from making some some really quite disturbing mistakes that mm. will have very very harmful impact. So you know, when we think about well. Being misidentified by a system, it's not too, it's not so, it's not so much of a problem, is it? Or you know, nothing to hide, nothing to fear. Argument with uses like that, you can see actually this this could actually change someone's someone's life. Mm. You mentioned the example of people who are fixated. Obviously, the police have a database of those people. What databases are they using? Like, how big is the pool of faces that they have Mm. that they could match your face against it's a really good question that we're trying to find the answer to but we're not entirely sure they certainly use the custody image database Mm -hmm. so if you've been arrested before particularly if you've been charged if you are on bail conditions not to enter a certain area those are the kinds of photos that they might pull out but we also know that the police hoard 
uh, and build databases on people who haven't crossed a criminal threshold. And the gangs matrix is a perfect example of that. The domestic extremism database was another failed enterprise by the police where they were putting, uh, you know, tree-hugging, peaceful environmentalists on an extremism watch list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the kind of mental health watch lists. We've seen police use automated facial recognition at a protest, another mm-hmm. peaceful protest. So I expect that there there are photos being pulled from from all kinds of places also they are using watch lists of football fans uh, because this has been used with a disastrous outcome um, at large football games so again fans who haven't done anything wrong but might be on a watch list for rival fans uh, this kind of thing they're ending up on automated facial recognition watch lists Mm -hmm. part of the problem is that is the technology and how disposed to authoritarianism it is. But part of it is the fact that to use it, the police construct watch lists for yeah. events, which is also quite a new thing. There's just no rules on this. There's like nothing mm-hmm. to say the police may do X, but they may not do Y with this mm-hmm. technology. There's just nothing. The police don't even have the legal power to use automated facial recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they are using it, there is, because there never has been the provision of a legal power to use it, there's no policy in place. There's no regulation. There's nothing to say, well, you can use these photos, but don't use these photos. There's nothing to say, you know, well, you can spy on people that you want to arrest, but you, you can't spy on people who have mental health problems. And that's why we're seeing the problems that we are. Can't the police do whatever they want until they're told not to? Like, isn't that how the law works? I can do literally everything until there's a law against it. You could argue that. However, when we see such an extraordinary new policing power at play that will not only undermine individual rights, but fundamentally shift actually the relationship between the citizen and the state... Uh, and undermine civil liberties, and I would argue even invert um, the principle of innocent until proven guilty, you know, treating crowds as suspects. That is exactly the kind of power that you would expect to go before Parliament and for a specific legal basis to be provided for. We've seen that with all other kinds of surveillance, intrusive surveillance powers, covert surveillance, uh, phone tapping, uh, phone monitoring. That requires a specific legal basis, and so should facial recognition. So if I was tapped on the shoulder by a policeman and they said, you know, we've recognised you on automated facial recognition software, if I wanted to complain about that, like, what could I do? Could I go to the IPCC or... I mean, is there any oversight? Like, you can't really that, oversee something if there's no framework <laughs> yeah. with which to oversee Exactly. It. <laughs> that, that hasn't been so far. Mm-hmm. And now the Home Office is trying to cobble together um, a number of different commissioners to give them oversight of the technology. But we really caution against that because, as you say, if there's not even a legal power to be using something, why are you putting in, in place people to oversee it against what are they going to compare your use of the technology so sorry the home office is trying to get people together to oversee this now. yes yeah but there's no like law in place right exactly that seems really backwards yeah in in no other situation can you expand state powers really dramatically and in a way that is almost certain to breach the human rights act and then post hoc years later throw some 
commissioners at it and say, oh, they'll oversee how it's being used now with no framework or guidance to compare the actions of the police against. And, and I think this is the, this is the issue. We, we've missed a crucial step here. And it's we've seen this pattern happen many times. You know, you, there's um, a massive expansion of state powers and then it gets exposed. And then sometimes the Home Office will try to bring some law in after the fact. We saw that with the... That's what happened after the Snowden revelations. Then the Investigatory Powers Act passed. And it's like, this is okay now because now there's... We've got commissioners, we've got oversight, we've got some statutory frameworks. That's That entirely misses the point. Where's the, the bit in the middle that where the public says this is something that we want, where the police make the case for why they need that kind of power mm. and where you you have a normal kind of democratic process. I don't think it's ever been deemed appropriate that we passively monitor every single person's phone in this country mm-hmm. um, or that we scan everyone's face. Was not that act, the Investigative Powers Act, debate in Parliament? It was, yeah several years after the Snowden revelations. So several years after all, it had already been happening. Yeah. Years and years and years. The, the, the detail was de- was debated. I think the principles were really missed. Right. Uh, and actually, when we say debate, the, the quality of the, the debate in Parliament was absolutely shocking at the time. Um, but, yeah, we can, we can talk about what kind of commissioner should it be, etc. But actually, what about the bigger picture? Why why do we have a mass surveillance framework in a democracy? And the same principle should really apply to, to facial recognition. So at the moment, the technology doesn't really work and it's not very minority report. It's very like, it's basically so. Um, do you have any sense of how fast it might develop? The technology being used in the UK is artificial intelligence technology, so it learns as it fails, and I think it will get better quite quickly and the police will learn how to make it work more quickly, uh, which, to be honest with you, isn't particularly reassuring either. As a very, like, layperson who's not very techie, but my kind of understanding of this sort of technology is that the more you use it, and the bigger the pool of data, i.e. people's faces, is, mm. the better it will get. Yeah. Because if your, like, data pool is, like, 10 people, and then you're, you know, policing a, a Roma Real Madrid Champions League final with, like, 100,000 people, presumably it's, like, going to misidentify so much because it'll, like, match someone who looks vaguely like one of the mm. 10 people and, yeah, just get it wrong the whole time. Whereas mm. if, you've, if you if your data set was to hypothetically include like half people at that final, mm. it would do a lot better, right? Because it would mm. have a lot more options to whittle down. So presumably there's an incentive for the police to just use it, even though it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah. More, and it will become less rubbish. Yeah, that's true. They're kind of doing uh, the manufacturer's job for them because every time they use the technology, it's learning. Mm-hmm. It's learning from watching people's faces and getting it wrong. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to get so a, creepy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's going to get a, a lot better soon. I think that also kind of raises a question, doesn't it? Yeah, of of ethics. Is it right that we have a, a private company uh, that has an AI identifying tool on our streets that is getting better 
all the time by surveilling us. They're also trying to do proof of concept and I think part of the temptation for them going for, you know, low-hanging fruit like football fans, people who are mentally unwell, mm -hmm. they know they're going to be there. Mm -hmm. So it's let's get the, the toy out and see if it works mm -hmm. and there'll be some collateral along the way. What, you're sort of implying that if they prove that it does work at um, a football match with known hooligans who are, are going to be there, they could then say, look, it totally works. Um, let's roll it out to the entirety of society. Their view is it doesn't matter how many misidentifications there are. If there is one positive identification, then it's got some use. So they've got absolutely no regard for, I mean, A, the underlying principles or B, the collateral damage that the tool is, is causing. Facial recognition not working poses risks. Facial recognition working poses a different set of risks. The police in Wales who are leading the rollout of the technology have already expressed their desire to put it behind the CCTV network. That totally changes the nature of uh, our society in the, in the UK. If we create a country where every time you go out, you're biometrically identified, watched, tracked and recorded then we, we, we have entered into a very, very different world, uh, not one that I, that I would want to, to live in. It really would just kind of remove the idea of uh, freedom, privacy, anonymity, innocence uh, for, for citizens in public space. There's no framework at the moment. Do you, do you think that a framework could help that or is it just so sort of such a fundamental attack on our freedoms that there's no sort of oversight that could make it work. There are some tools that are just too dangerous to have in a democracy. I think a lot of the mass surveillance architecture that we've seen in the UK is an example of that. And it's already been used in some quite despicable ways as Snowden exposed. And it's a ticking time bomb before the next whistleblower exposes what's being done now. It's the same situation with automated facial recognition. They're not even out of a trial phase as they see it, and already it's been used persistently at Notting Hill Carnival in relation to people with mental health problems, at lawful protests, in relation to petty crime or even non-crime. So already we're seeing an abuse of power where they don't even have the power to use the technology. So... If this is given legitimacy and used seriously throughout CCTV networks in the UK, it will be abused. And it's not just Big Brother Watch saying that. In the US, where facial recognition is also on the cards, over 40 civil rights groups have come together, led by the ACLU, calling for automated facial recognition to never be used by law enforcement. It's a big statement mm. for all of us to say as civil rights groups. It's not something that you say lightly, but there are some things that just have no place in a democracy. There are some technologies that are intrinsically so authoritarian that they cannot be conducive to a democracy. So you just think it should be scrapped? Absolutely. It should be. Are there other ways the state could use this technology? Well, to answer that question, I think we just have to look at the way that other uh, surveillance tools have been used mm -hmm. and we do see that surveillance tools are, are, are 
persistently used against uh, the most marginalised people in society. So unfortunately, uh, I think that's a real risk. What would a Windrush scandal look like if this kind of technology was like widespread in place currently? Well, I think it's really disturbing that Trump in America suggested... As a, as a made a serious suggestion that automated facial recognition is put behind CCTV networks to find people who have overstayed visas, mm-hmm. um, and so the, the the issue is when you when you build a surveillance architecture that has the potential to be totalitarian, all you need is a political whim to turn the key and make that architecture totalitarian. And um, that's, you know, clearly people are really feeling that in America at the moment. And I do fear the the incredibly disastrous uh, outcomes that we would see if we were foolish enough to expand our already unparalleled surveillance state in, in the UK with this particularly sinister technology. Thanks to our guest Silky Carlo from Big Brother Watch. The British Dream was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. Assuming we've not given you the heebie-jeebies, grow your digital footprint and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you in a few weeks. Stay positive and keep the dream alive. <laughs>